At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Another one in the books, Peacock. (laughs) Please leave this. Please leave this in. All of it. (laughs) Every single last glorious second. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. I'm Al. Oh, I messed it up. What the heck am I doing? Whoa, that never happened. <laughs> you do something 80 times, it starts to get starts to get weird. Oh my god. Yeah, no, what happened is I just like derailed my own train of thought literally halfway through. Let's try this again. <laughs> Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. Now I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And my how the turntables. How the turntables indeed. The hubris. <laughs> The hubris. Looks like you flew a little too close to the pod sun, huh? Uh, sure did. <laughs> Ooh, all right. I'm I'm glad it's your week because this would have thrown me off. <laughs> so I know it's it's not really snowy out here in uh, in sunny California, but yesterday we did have some somewhat frightful weather. Although it was much needed, we had a really intense rainstorm yesterday. So I feel like I can at least do the like the weather outside is frightful part of that song. I also am frequently scared of things that I need. <laughs> Oh no. Um, I wouldn't have been so so afraid of the rain had I not had to walk outside in it quite so much. But understandably, yeah. I am still feeling quite seasonal because it was the coldest I have been my entire time since I moved to LA yesterday because it got very cold outside with the cold. The rain was cold, brought kind of the whole temperature down. And I came home, changed into pajamas and curled up into my bed immediately after class because I was freezing. Oh, good. Um, and so it put me in a very wintry mood. Uh, which I haven't really gotten to experience awesome. thus far. Yeah, I'm Except they, they do have the Christmas decorations out at the Grove. If you're in the LA area and you know where the Grove is, they have like a Santa's Village kind of thing set up. It's real cute. Um, got me in a festive sort of wintry mood, sort of feeling the Yuletide, uh, if you will. Um, the Yuletide is coming in. and yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> this is less secret or rather less um, impulsive than my creatures often are. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me retweet something about this the other day, probably. But <laughs> yeah, we I straight simply, up like, had a conversation about yeah, this, which has never happened. But I simply happened. could not resist. So I'm hoping because I tweet so gosh darn much that I just the sheer volume of my Twitter presence swallowed it up and most of you didn't catch this. But I would like to talk this week about the Yule Cat. It has another name, an Icelandic name. So for the sake of both the listeners and myself, just for my the sake of all my my mouth muscles, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Icelandic name for this little guy, this big guy. I am going to spell it. Oh, fair. It is... Excuse me. It is J-O-L-A-K-O-T-T-U-R. And I'm, if I were going to approximate the pronunciation, that's also not the only spelling. There's also It's also spelled um, J-O-L-A-K-O with an umlaut, T-T-U-R-I-N-N. 
So there's a couple different spellings, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. about either one. If I were going to approximate, I would be, it would be like Jolicotter or Jolicotterin, but I'm not going to try to say okay. it anymore. I'm just going to call it the Yule Cat. Fair. That's. I mean, I think that sounds even better. More whimsical. The Yule Cat pretty much starts, like, it dates back as a, as a legend. It is an Icelandic legend, if you might have guessed uh, from me saying its name was Icelandic. It's an Icelandic Christmas time critter, um, dating back from about the 19th century. It's not as old as you would expect it to be. People can, or rather, it's one of those things that people say is, like, from a long, long time ago, but the earliest uh-huh. actual example of it being talked about is from the 19th century. So Yeah, and there's just, like, no no evidence to support the fact that it's, like, yeah. ancient legends. Exactly. It's still old. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not from, sure. like, the, it's not from, like, the 70s, but it's, it's not from, like, the dawn of time. Right. There's got to be some median in there. One of the earliest mentions of the Yule Cat and one of the most popular mentions of the Yule Cat is a poem, an old poem. First, oh. I want two things, two things I love. I have, I love one because nothing, uh, there's nothing that delights me more than quotes from anonymous people with no source attributed. So from one of the sources, which was from um, a web archive of someone's blog, it says, A woman describes a scene from her youth in the last century thus. We were lazy doing this chore. Then we were reminded of the Yule Cat. We thought that was some terrible beast, and the last thing we wanted was to be one of his offers. So, that's fun. As my introduction to the Yule Cat, I would like to read you the poem, a translation of the poem about the Yule Cat. It is by um, Johan Urkotlum. This is a translation um, of by uh, Vigner Johnson, who says, You'll have to forgive me, but I didn't make it rhyme. I'm not much of a poet. So, oh. here we go. All right. Well, that's the translator who said that, not the original writer. Gotcha. Yes. I was going to say, that, a little bit of a cell phone, but okay. Oh, no, he was saying when I translated it into English, I didn't make oh, the English gotcha. rhyme. I don't know how to basically do that. So, this is just a direct, pretty direct translation. So, yeah. here we go. I'm going to read this kind of lengthy poem. I'd like you to settle in if you have, like, a hot I, beverage. I'm so ready. Do you have a hot beverage? Um, no, because I haven't put my coffee back in the microwave for the sixth time today. Okay, well, so. then you're not ready, but that's okay. I do We're have gonna... a heating pad on because I'm old and my back sucks. Okay, well, that's close, and <laughs> so I'm going to ex- – I'll, I'll take that. I'll accept that. Okay. So here we go. Here's the poem. Settle in. This is, I think, a new Christmas time classic along the vein of Twas the Night Before Christmas or perhaps uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas or any other mm-hmm. holiday classic you read to your family. Let's go. Here we go. You all know the Yule Cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers, sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail. He jumped and he clawed and he hissed, sometimes up in the valley sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. (laughs) In, In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. He picked on the very poor that no new garments got for Yule, who toiled and lived in dire need. From them he took in one fell swoop their whole Yule dinner, always eating it himself if he possibly could. 
Hence it was that the women at their spinning wheels sat, spinning a colorful thread for a frock or a little sock, because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children. They had, sorry. Oh. I didn't expect this to get to me when I read it out loud like this. They had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. And when the lights came on on Yule Eve and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes. Some had gotten an apron, and some had gotten shoes, or something that was needed. That was all it took. For all who got something new to wear stayed out of that pussycat's grasp. He then gave an awful hiss, but went on his way. Whether he still exists, I do not know, but his visit would be in vain if next time everybody got something new to wear. Now you might be thinking of helping, where help is needed most. Perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all. Perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. It's got a nice message, actually. Yeah, it's I like, enjoy it. Give clothes to people in need who didn't get new clothes this winter. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I do have to say, <laughs> like, as soon as you start a temptation to, like, take this and rework it into a rhyming visit from St. Nicholas-esque. Oh, yeah. Just vision, like, has oh, come yeah. over me, and it may or may not happen. So I would be I really am, delighted. I am going to need you to send me that link. Uh, you can actually find the poem at multiple different sources. This particular yes. translation I pulled, um, this is the most common translation, too. You'll find it all over. This comes from ModernNotion.com. It's a history article by Stephanie Weber, published in 2014. And the headline is, in Iceland, you feed the Christmas Yule cat or it will feed on you. Oh, <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Also, you have to have new clothes. Like, it it knows if they're old clothes. It You've got to make sure. You've got to make sure they're new. If it Yule sees you wearing... rolls up and it's like, um, excuse me, that's pretty last season. You know that scene in Legally Blonde where um, the guy yes. knows her yes. pumps at the water fountain? That's what the Yule Cat does. Except for then, instead of just being rude to you at a water fountain, it eats your children. <laughs> <laughs> so that comes from... <laughs> That comes from ModernNotion.com, and that is a little primer on the Yule Cat. That's pretty much everything you ever need to know about the Yule Cat, if I'm being honest. Like, that's, like, a pretty succinct description. It's a giant cat that comes to town, <laughs> and if you don't have new clothes that you've given to your children, it's going to either eat your whole Christmas dinner or take your children, or there's a couple different versions of what the cat does. It's not—it's never good, but it, it varies in terms of severity from, like— Taking food from very poor people, which is de which is terrible. Don't do that, you <laughs> cat. Like, what are you? I almost said something that I shouldn't have, and then I stopped oh, myself. No. <laughs> uh, I almost got political. I never do that on this podcast. On our so, podcast, never. Uh, but it either takes your food or eats your children, or uh, it does a lot of other kind of pranky things as well. Like, it, it has a whole different kind of thing. Before I go a little bit more into the folklore, I would love to say first that when I was searching for this, I found a really delightful little thing for sale that's like a Yule Cat-related thing if you oh, want to nice. buy it. 
Speaking of children's books, on nordicstore.net, there is a children's book by Brian Pilkington called The Yule Cat, A Seasonal Makeover. And here's the description from that website. (laughs) According to Icelandic folklore, the Yule Cat is an overgrown, ferocious feline that stalks the wintry Icelandic landscape, preying on children. In this considerably more charming story, Brian Pilkington has lightened the character up somewhat by imagining what the Yule Cat is like today, now that he has become a moth-eaten, flea-bitten, lazy old geriatric that is in need of a seasonal makeover. This delightful story is ideal for children of all ages, just about anyone that loves cats, or indeed, any moth-eaten, flea-bitten old geriatric in need of a seasonal makeover that you may know. Oh, wow. And it also includes an introduction to the Icelandic Christmas family and unique customs of the holiday season in Iceland. So it's like a cute little... And that the is cover kind of is fun. really the cover is really adorable. Actually, I'm gonna send it to you so you can see it because there's a lot of really wild artistic renderings of the Yule Cat, but this one is the most charming. I'm very I'm excited just, for all of this. I'm just gonna drop it in a Facebook message. Um, the other, <laughs> there's an upcoming version of it that I am so deeply excited for you to see because it made me cackle out loud when I saw it yesterday. Yes, 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 um, yes. But first, this is the cute little... I think I'll use this one when I tweet the episode out because it's so precious. Look at that cute little cover, that book cover. Oh, It looks kind of like... Guy. He's pretty yeah, grumpy, looks, pretty cute. He's a cute little grumpy little guy. I love old man-looking cats, too. Like, cats that look like they have mustaches and have, like, mm-hmm. really long ear it's hair. Good. It's good. It's good. I love cats with angry faces so much. I'm still one of the people. If you were wondering who out there still thinks Grumpy Cat is funny, I don't really <gasps> care about the captions on the memes, like the captions I could give or take, but actual just pictures of that cat's face, I will just sit and laugh at for hours. I love it so much. It's okay. good. There's a good energy to that cat. So there are some really wild variations in the renderings of the Yule Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, there are... <laughs> There's a version of it that looks like a screaming like demon, just like rendered like a black shadow with like sharp teeth and sharply teeth and like little like orb void eyes. And then there's one that's just like kind of the way that the giant is rendered in if you've seen Hilda, where it just kind of looks like a giant shadow in this long shadow in the shape of a cat with little red pinprick eyes, which I really do love because it reminds me of a lot of like Nordic folklore I've seen. Mm -hmm. And then there's a version that I'm going to send you right now. This is all from an article on lifewithcats.com. Oh, which I is see. A great website. And this rendering made me laugh out loud. Oh. <laughs> Please describe what you see. Um, okay, so I'm gonna kind of start <laughs> with like I'm gonna start with the center of this picture and work my way out, I think oh, is please. the best way to do it. So the center of the picture, as well as most of the rest of this picture, is taken up by an extraordinarily large cat. And I don't just mean like big stature wise i mean like he is easily three times as tall as the pine trees in which he is standing so there's that um he's also got like what's the opposite of cross eyes <laughs> i guess like kind of like a lazy eye but yeah but it's like two <laughs> like they're both going in complete opposite directions and he looks very disgruntled he is not thrilled um his 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 tummy pretty much reaches all the way down to the ground he's just sort of like rawr, stomping around on there He's got a big candle on his head, which is definitely a fire hazard, although 
In fairness to him, it does look like the wax is melting all into his head first, so I would be kind of upset too. Around his neck, he's got like a big red ribbon with a, a gi- this thing is a giant bell compared to the size and scope of the rest of this image, like easily, mm-hmm. easily clock tower sized bell and like a big sprig of decorative holly around his neck. Um, but then where this kind of loses me a little bit is he's got one sort of outstretched paw <laughs> that he's kind of... Um, like, he's making the very grumpy cat displeased face as he sort of holds this paw up at an awkward angle, like, help get it off. Because what's on there is um, a whole bunch of blood. <laughs> and t- immediately <laughs> underneath that paw, you can see a, a squish-head boy. Yeah, that's like... The, it's Now, it's not very graphically rendered, but there is a lot of blood. Yeah, there's some blood. So A, a, a not insignificant amount of blood. Yeah. That's the thing. There is a variation, side note, from this article on the story in terms of what he is punishing as opposed Uh to, and this is where actually, and I found a couple articles that bring this up, but um, there is a bit of a sort of, not translation error so much as like a cultural shift that doesn't really age well in terms of what the new clothes thing is about. So in some versions of the, of the some versions of the story, he eats the Christmas dinner of those who don't didn't work hard during the year, uh-huh. um, as opposed to punishing people just who didn't get new clothes. And the reason, <laughs> what I found from a couple different sources, and I, I'll, I'll name a couple specifics as I go on, but a couple different sources talk about the fact that traditionally in Iceland for Christmas time. When you finished, when children finished their chores, they would get like new socks or like a new sweater or like new article of clothing. So it's okay. it's not just like your family's poor and couldn't give you clothes, so I'm gonna eat your food. It's like you didn't do gotcha. your chores. It's like children do your chores, or if you don't have the new socks you get when you do your chores, the Yule cat's gonna eat you slash your Christmas dinner. Um, okay, I think it does. It, it it is important that we rest on the distinction of like this is a story for. Children. children. Yeah. So it's being told to children, like, hey, if you don't get new clothes, like, and you already have a pre-established way to do that, but, like, if you don't get them, yeah. then the Yule Cat will come get you. Instead of just being, like, a, a cautionary tale all around of, like, if you don't get new clothes, then your kids will be eaten. It's like, well, the kids are the ones who are supposed to be working for the clothes in this particular version of this story. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently, I have not heard the song, but apparently Bjork has released a song based on the original poem about the... Oh! And you didn't look that up immediately? I I didn't have a chance to listen to it yet, but I do like a lot of Bjork is the thing about Bjork. Bjork is a cryptid. We will have oh, to cover Bjork we'll at talk some about point. This at, excuse me, we'll talk about this at some point. She's she's whatever she is, she's not human. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, I do want to really quickly, it's not a lengthy entry, so there's no reason for me to really linger on it, but the Demoniacal mm-hmm. has an entry on the Yule Cat. And like the Demoniacal tends to break down the creatures it covers, it has like lore, uh, defense, etc. And so the defense, you know this, is children wear new clothing at Christmas. There's a thing that made me laugh that I wanted to make sure I mentioned is... Um, <laughs> It's under powers. It just says, the Yule Cat possesses great physical strength. Oh. He is strong. A strong boy. Also, when I saw the rendering of just, like, the big fat house cat that's stomping on trees and houses, I don't know if you've seen the the cat chunkiness chart that's been moving around the Yes, I have. Oh, Lord, he coming. That's it. Oh, Lord, he coming. That's... 
That's the Yule Cat. That's the Yule Cat. That's, that's him. He coming. Oh, Lord, he coming. Um, so I'm making, I need to calm down. I'm making myself laugh. So <laughs> there's a, uh, a controversy related to the Yule Cat. Not the Yule Cat's folklore itself necessarily, but on the uh-huh. when I was researching the Yule Cat, I found this article from the Reykjavik Grapevine. And it's an article by Colin Arnold... Dalrymple? I'm so sorry, Colin. Uh, I'm bad at pronouncing your name. Um, It was published on November 27th, 2018. Some very recent news for you guys. And so the city of Reykjavik spent a total of 4.4 million ISK on a large LED Christmas cat on, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, square. Uh, The city basically said that it will cost significantly less next year. It's a five meter high, six meter long Christmas cat. It's, it's, it lights up, and oh, um, it was the project project of the city, the Austrian company MK Illumination, and a company, another company, uh, the Australian, the Australian, the Austrian firm designed and built the cat, and the city rents it from the company that put it together, and the lease is three point four million a year, and the cat has caused a lot of controversy. Um, Socialist Party council member Sana Magdalena. More to Dottier, criticized the city's priorities in a Facebook post that has been liked over 400 times. She referenced the folklore of the cat, which, according to legend, eats children that do not get clothes before Christmas Eve. She pointed out that poverty deprives children of new clothes, and the children could get new clothes by the city raising their parents' salaries. I mean, yeah. No, it's a really good point. <laughs> it's just, I, I found that, and I just really needed to bring it up. I... Love this because I can't imagine trying to, like, I don't know why, but this has a very, like, Parks and Rec sort of energy to me because the idea of, like, someone trying to go in front of the town council and be like, listen, it is patently insane to spend millions of dollars on a giant light-up cat that represents punishing poor people. (laughs) And just having the rest of this town be like, okay, but we love him. (laughs) (laughs) But we like the cat. It's a great statue. But we love this cat. I have to say, it's a good statue. It does not look like a 3.4 million Icelandic currency unit statue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I should also just, just, I really am curious about the last sentence of this little tiny article. It's a very short little thing. It's like three paragraphs. Mm -hmm. But the last sentence of this is the most exciting sentence of the whole piece to me because it raises some very exciting questions about Reykjavik. It says, Reykjavik is full of much friendlier cats anyway. (laughs) Oh, that's good to know. It's so cute. (laughs) Obviously, I'm covering this little, this not little, this big boy because I love cats. And I know that this cat is maybe a more uh, problematic fave, but... Yeah, maybe a not very good okay, cat. Okay, now, ha- however, it depends. What is this cat actually representing? Is this cat punishing poor people, or is this cat a cautionary tale about taking care of your citizens and making sure everyone gets new clothes at Christmas time? I mean, here's the thing. I was going to say, if you think for a second that people are going to be encouraged to take more care of their their less well-to-do neighbors simply because there is a monster that targets them and does not in any way affect the people who are already doing okay, I think you have a little bit too much faith in humanity. You're right, and I was actually just about to say, I was about to change something and say that I want to encourage a rebrand. I want to encourage a... Uh slightly revolutionary rebrand perhaps for the Yule Cat. Mm-hmm. I would like to encourage the Yule Cat to please consider changing its methodology. And it can 
I don't even need it to get violent. Like it can be, let's do some nonviolent action here, um, just like uh, civil disobedience, if you would. And I would like the Yule Cat to continue the tradition of eating the nice Christmas dinners, but like do that for the rich people. So like, yeah. there's like wealthy people in a town who won't like raise the wages of the people in the town and like they can't afford to buy their children new socks for Christmas. And the Yule Cat should take stock of that, go, Who's the wealthiest person in this community? Why aren't they sharing their resources with everyone else? You don't want to share your resources? I'm going to eat your Christmas dinner. And then I don't know what they eat for Christmas in Iceland. I'm going to Google it right now um, so that I can paint a picture. <laughs> good, good. I like this on the on the job research. Okay, so what do they eat for Christmas in Iceland? This is on the ReykjavikFoodWalk.com. Yum, okay. Nice. Let's see what they have. So they like smoked lamb. Okay, that's a good kitty chime treat. Okay, so the kitty cat, the big boy kitty cat, is going to come in on his big, big kitty cat paws. They're not quiet like kitty cat paws in classic literature. They are boom, 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 loud earthquake kitty cat paws. And he is going to come for your ham smoked and smoked lamb and parmesan. What? I don't know what that is. He's going to come for your leaf bread. (laughs) He's going to come for your fermented skate. (laughs) You better believe it. He's going to come for your brenovin which is a fermented distilled beverage. He's going to come for your malt hall and orange soda. He's coming for your clementines, your Christmas cookies, your marinated herring, your licorice tops, and your rice pudding. Oh, man, that's so many. That's so many things he coming for. This fat cat is coming for the fat cats. Hey, now that I like. (laughs) That I can really get into. (laughs) That's the rebrand I want to give the Yule Cat. Yeah, I think I, that's good. I, and, you know, I think it's time for an update. I'm, Everyone's doing I'm reboots t- these days. Everyone is into origin stories. We're really into, like, powerful <laughs> solo epics for, like, previously underrated characters. Yeah. I, think, I think that 2018 holiday season is the time for the Yule Cat to get this rebrand that we've been craving. Yeah. And, you know, people are really into these sort of, like, animalistic agents of retributionary chaos right now. Just look at Gritty, for example. Oh, yes. We need a folk hero. We do. I'm out here trying to radicalize the Yule Cat, but uh, I I do love to talk about the radicalization uh, of the Yule Cat and the encouragement of the Yule Cat to seize the means of production, but I am going to continue on uh, with the stuff that I found. I'm trying to decide which one I want to hop over to next. Let's see. I think probably I want to hop over to... This is not as fact-heavy. I mean, it's all folklore, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. This is, like, straight-up just fun conjecture silliness, but it made me laugh and made me happy. So I want to hop over to the occult section. That's not a section of something. That's what this website is called, theoccultsection.com. Uh, In December of 2014, Gwendolyn Kist wrote a little entry on the Yule Cat, and it's a lot of the same information I mentioned before. Okay. Classic about, like, it was used to encourage people to get, like, their work done um, or children to do their chores. There's a lot of variation. But uh, then it says that, uh, here we go. Like any good cryptid, specifics concerning the Yule Cat are hard to find. For example, is this Jolak? An altogether new species of feline, one that's attracted to the smell of old moth-infested laundry? (laughs) Or can an ordinary cat work hard and graduate to the title of Yule Cat? In fact, are all cats perhaps secretly studying to become future flesh-eating monsters? So it has a fun little questionnaire. 
that you can oh. answer for your cat and see if you think that they might be planning to take on some Yule cat-like behaviors this holiday season. So if you're a cat owner, or more accurately, if you're a person who shares a home and a life with a cat with or a cat, more, yeah. with one or more cats, um, you can uh, ask yourself these four questions. And if you answered yes to all of them, then maybe uh, be just keep keep an eye on them and maybe like go to Target and buy some new socks before Christmas time. So one, does your cat chew on random objects or gnaw on your hands when you pet them? If so, these are clear indications your cat is a hopeful contender for the Yule Cat Crown. Two, does your cat nest frequently on recently laundered clothes? Oh, yes. Yeah. This is because they want to memorize the fresh scent of detergents, i.e. new clothes that will save a holiday reveler's life. Ah. I'm, I'm losing my mind. Three, does your cat enjoy resting on coats and clothes you've recently worn? Don't make the mistake of thinking your scent gives your pet comfort. They are, in fact, learning the smell of worn clothes so as to compare it with the aroma of new clothes. Oh, it makes so much sense. <laughs> I know, right? Four. Does your cat take extra interest in holiday decor, including but not limited to the holiday tree, ornaments, and gifts, both wrapped and unwrapped? This is the most gravely serious symptom of would-be Yule Cat behavior. Oh, no. <laughs> Every time they climb the tree or bat at an ornament, they are pretending they are a giant monster and the festive accoutrement are your flayed skin. Wow. <laughs> I love this website so much. Like, it's, I like the tongue-in-cheek uh, talk that oh, comes very along good. with stuff like this. That one just delighted me. So um, if your cat or cats is displaying one or more of those behaviors, just, like, uh, just keep an eye out. Now, I have to say, yeah. while we're reworking the Yule Cat lore here, mm -hmm. and as long as we're making it like a, a story about hard work and taking care of the people around you, I do love the idea that this is an aspirational tale of like cats wanting to become the folk hero that we need. And so now I'm kind of picturing this like Captain America, the first Avenger-esque situation where you start with a very small alley cat who has been poor his entire life. And through through some benevolent process, he is then able to become the arbiter of justice on the Yule streets by uh, by becoming the force for good that the other cats wish they had. Oh, that's really nice. They're just like becoming the cat that we need, the cat we deserve. That's right. Oh, very good. And then because they know what it's like to feel the bitter sting of poverty, they then have what they need to to meet out justice on the others around them. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. So I would like to refer to some actual Icelanders um, talking about the uh, Yule Cat and its origins a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just also uh, some of the potential, some potential origins of it that it doesn't really, like, we don't know for sure, so I have to kind of, some of that kind of is guesswork. There's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of guesswork around the Yule Cat because it's hard to sort of trace its um, origins. There is supposed to be some link to the uh, Yule Lads, and um, he's thought to be the house cat of the evil troll Grilla um, and her husband, and all. And the Yule Lads are connected to that, but I won't talk about the mm -hmm. Yule Lads because they are not my, my uh, purview, but... I just wanted to mention that there is some potential link Yeah, they there. better not be. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the Yule Lads. That's all I'm going to say about the Yule Lads. I'm done. So, 
I want to hop over to icelandmag.is, and this is just an article, like a fun little Christmas time piece from this year written by the staff. Like there's not a particular um, author attributed, so there's just like questions and answers that I'm assuming they like tossed around the office, which is a cute image. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, do Icelanders really believe in a giant evil child-eating Christmas cat? Also, the header image for this is a beautiful Christmas village with grumpy cat photoshopped in the background. Oh, <laughs> um, very good. Very which, powerful. Which, as I mentioned, is I love very much. So they say basically, yeah, no, it's very real. Every Icelander, young or old, knows this story. So this right here, you'll love this. The header, there's headers for each section, and this little section header is the many horrible Christmas spirits, um, which sounds like something you would say. It does, yeah. That's like kind of my entire <laughs> atmosphere this time of year. But it says the Yule Cat is one of the many strange spirits and monsters of Christmas. A giant cat which shows up during Christmas to eat children who don't get any new pieces of clothing for the holidays. And then it says the origins of the Yule Cat are more mysterious than the Yule Lads or their mother, but um, it's in its development over time also differs from that of a lot of the other Christmas creatures. It says some have softened over the years, not the Yule Cat. Uh, it <laughs> talks about like a it, it loose talks about the Yule Lads, I won't say anything about it because it's not allowed yet, and then it will say the Yule Cat still eats children. The earliest written <laughs> records date back to the 19th century, but the practice is believed to be much older. The Yule Cat seems to be closely related to Scandinavian beliefs in the Yule Goat, which I will talk about in just a minute. And the Yule Goat is loosely probably connected to the worship of Thor, but that's not... Very good. We can't be super sure because it gets very muddy when you go back into old folklore because there's so much cross-pollination and there's so much... Sure. Yeah, variations on stories, but some people believe that the Yule Cat is a local variant on the Yule Goat. Um... One reason the Yule goat seems to have disappeared in Iceland is potentially the power of the medieval church, or it might have been that while Viking settlers had goats, the goat population was never very large and had largely disappeared by the 19th century when popular myths and traditions were being collected by ethnographers. And I should mention just, it's not mentioned in here, but I should mention that cats were a big part of Viking culture. And so that makes sense to me that if the goats didn't persist, the cat might persist uh, as a version of the story. Um, That's something you can look into, sort of the role of cats in Viking culture, because I don't know enough to really talk offhand and make specific claims. I just have read a lot about kind of the role that that plays. Um, I am not a Viking cat expert either. In fact, I'm not even a warrior cats expert, which I I feel (laughs) is probably some sort of analogous world there. I am. I read all those books. I feel like there's got to be some crossover, right? Oh, there has to be. I feel like if the, I had read the Warrior... I don't think I finished out the series, actually. I think if I had followed the Warrior Cats to completion, we would have gotten some sort of, like, wintertime festival where they prayed to the Yule Cat. It just seems like it would make sense in that world. Especially because, like, cats in the world of Warrior Cats hold a lot of disdain for humans. Like, quite mm-hmm. a lot. Humans exist in the world of the Warrior sure. Cats. Yeah, I, mean, I did Warrior know Cats that. Books. I wasn't sure if you knew that. But not only do they exist, there's, like, a, like, word that's, like, a low-key, like, slur for a former house cat. Oh, they're kitty pets, right? Yeah. Yes, so it's kitty I pet. never read the Warrior Cats books, but my youngest brother really, really <laughs> liked them. Um, and it's, it's actually so funny this comes up, because literally, last night in the car, I was having this conversation with Grace, and we were talking about Warrior Cats. Um, which then transitioned into a conversation about Redwall. But since you, since Warrior right. Cats have been brought up, I do feel like I am now obligated to ask you on air for fear of getting this comment and this pushback from other people later. One, do you have a Warrior Cat Sona? And two, are you willing to share it? Okay, so here's the thing. I did have a Warrior Cat 
Sona like that I imagined when I was young, when I was a child reading the of books. Of course, yeah. I'm going to be fully honest with you and say I do not believe I remember her name. Yeah, that's fair. I will describe her to you. Please do. Yeah. Um, she would have been ThunderClan because that's... Ah. Okay, yeah, she would have been ThunderClan because that's where Firestar is. Um, was she Firestar's <laughs> girlfriend? No! <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't that deep into it? There was already a canon couple there. I'm not going to break that up. Um, also, no, I was a child at that point. Like, I was a real, like, straight-up child, so I would oh, have okay. definitely been more like she was their, like, secret daughter or something. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. I don't remember her name. She was some sort of, like, dappled, like, tabby-looking cat. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I love her. She was... I don't remember anything else about her, but, like, I would be remiss to pretend... Like, if it would be a crime for me to pretend that I didn't have one. I wish oh, yeah. I could tell you what her name was. I do not remember. That's okay. <laughs> um, well, you know what? Um, and thank you thank you so much for being this vulnerable and sharing this with us. You're uh, welcome. I think as a reward for that and, like, sort of in recognition of your beautiful warrior cat, Sona, wherever she may be now on her adventures, I want to believe that in, in this, the established Alex and Addison lore of the warrior cat's universe, uh-huh. Um, I believe that your your cat Sona grew up to be the first Yule cat of her people in a hundred years. Oh my god! Yes, she just got huge. She got so big. She, well, she just you know she was was chosen by some secret destiny, and like of course the the wise elder sage cats in the clan. Yeah, there um, are those. You're not sensed, wrong. sensed this destiny in her. There are also and... cats that like low key do magic, but like not really. But they are kind of like shaman cats. Anyway, um, there's like cats that are low key psychic. It's it's really interesting because the world that is created in the warriors books, they don't need to be cats. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no reason for it to be cats except for just that it's fun for it. It's fun for well, it to be cats. Well, in this the year of our Lord Sonic Fox, best gamer of all time, there is yes. a very good reason for them to be. cats. Cats. You're not wrong. So I would like to talk a little bit more about the Yule Cat. I would like to hop over to inthedarkair.wordpress.com, Ooh, good. Uh, which has some more kind of descriptions of the Yule Cat, as well as some more kind of pontifications on his origins. Oh. And so, first of all, his appearance, this says that he looks just like a normal cat, except he's huge. Has whiskers, has whiskers as sharp as needles, giant eyes that glow like beacons, and razor sharp claws the size of an average snowmobile. <laughs> an average snowmobile. <laughs> he is often depicted as looking emaciated, since it seems the good old Icelanders rarely forget to update their wardrobe, and he's probably gone several years without a decent meal. Oh. He has a very strong, large tail, which allows him to leap great distances and pounce on his prey. And um, the jury is still out as to whether large balls of twine, toy mice, or laser pointers have any effect on him. <laughs> um, the drawing they've included, I don't even know if it's meant to be the Yule cat. It's just a cat, but it's a Norwegian forest cat. And if you've seen Norwegian forest cats, they're wonderful. I have. I love them very much. My aunt actually has one. They're very beautiful. His name is Chekhov, and he does not like me, but they're beautiful. They're so uh, powerful. They are. So that's kind of how I imagine the Yule Cat actually is looking like a big Norwegian forest cat. I like that a lot. So talking about the origins, as I mentioned, they say his the story dates back to the Dark Ages, but the written records don't pop up until the 19th century. So historians posit he might have been connected to the Yule Goat, which is a pagan deity who was charged mm-hmm. with watching people closely and making sure that their Yule preparations were done correctly, just like a nosy neighbor. Good, um, good. 
Oh, hmm, you're serving that for dinner? Well. Huh, I well, mean. Hmm. Huh, I guess that's, I guess that's fine. So, it says the most likely explanation for his conception was a simple yet effective threat. Farmers created the horrifying figure of the Yule Cat to encourage their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Um, see, this is why I want to revamp the image because I don't like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Don't use the Yule Cat to ex- don't use the Yule Cat to exploit your workforce. It's not good. And a couple a couple places I have read have mentioned the fact that you can sort of reappropriate this as a lesson about like giving to other people in need. And I want to just I want to keep going with that. I want to follow that line. I want to keep that going. Yeah, I'm into it. Exactly. Sorry, I'm not going to read this whole piece because it's about the same, pretty much the same stuff I already said, but I do find this fascinating that it mentions this. This is from the Reykjavik grapevine as well, uh, and it mentions talking about like this being like a way to encourage hard work. It mentions that perhaps this is the one of the reasons that Icelanders clock the mo- more hours of overtime at their jobs than most European nations. Like, oh, it's got to make sure to avoid the Yule Cat. Get your work done before Christmas, guys. I see. Yeah, no, I don't like the Yule Cat being a tool of capitalism. I think we should change that. So Liberate the Yule Cat. Liberate the Yule Cat. So I would like to uh, deviate from the Yule Cat a little bit. I've pretty much, once you repeat enough variations on the theme, there's not too much left to say about specifically the Yule Cat. But I would like to talk about two little things really quickly before we wrap up. And that would be two things that came up while I was researching the Yule Cat. Uh, one being the Yule Goat, which I would like to dive into a little bit uh-huh. more. Um, and the other being something that isn't quite related, except that it is a giant cat, and also it rhymes, and that is the ghoul cat. Um, the ghoul cat! It's also got an Icelandic name that I'm not going to try to say. I'm going to talk about the ghoul cat first. The ghoul cat is not as big as the Yule cats, but it is still mm-hmm. a bigger than normal cat. So I found one entry about the ghoul cat, and it was from the Reykjavik grapevine, and it was by John Rogers, this little piece, and this is from April 6th. 2017, and it's just Mm -hmm. entitled the Icelandic word for it and the ghoul cat, and it says, in most respects like other cats, but larger and more vicious and formidable. This was their monster of the month, by the way. They had a a thing called Monster of the Month um, going from a project called the Hidden Beings Museum by Mm -hmm. Arndt Grimur Sigurdsson. He takes first-hand accounts of creature sightings from Icelandic historical texts and creates a painting of each one. and which is very cool. But this I'm is the, super into that. Yeah, the ghoul cat. So, as a youngling, it will bury itself in the ground, preferably in a cemetery, and stay there for an undetermined time. It will spare nothing once it has emerged, and it is almost impossible to conquer. It can grow to the size of a dog, weather, or even a yearling. It is said that when it buries itself, so like a deer-sized cat. So. <laughs> It is said that when it buries itself in a cemetery and is left undisturbed, it will stay underground for three years. Once it leaves the cemetery, according to some accounts, it will dwell in rocky slopes, attacking sheep, birds, and men alike. Its gaze is so evil and severe that it proves instantly fatal to all beings, although this is mostly to be feared when it is newly emerged from the ground. It is like other cats in that it will be overcome by its own reflection. Oh. What? (laughs) Does that mean like how cats get really confused when you put them in front of a mirror? I think so. Because that's kind of (laughs) cute. You just put the mirror and it's like, who's this other cat? (laughs) I like that a lot. I like the idea that this this ghoul cat would just be like, what was that thing? (laughs) I want to keep going. It's it's almost it's just 
next sentence makes me lose it. No guns will harm a ghoul cat with full powers, <laughs> except <laughs> perhaps if silver buttons or silver bullets are fired. These are among the worst of all malignant creatures. I see. <laughs> my child. My beautiful baby boy. <laughs> so strong. So strong. So brave. <laughs> oh. oh. I fear my powerful son. <laughs> I love the image. I'll uh, I'll send it to you later. But the image, the painting from the book, is of like a giant cat holding like you know that painting of like um, Kronos devouring his sons. I very do. It's that with a cat. That's what the painting is. Good. It's terrifying. So, anyway, the Yule Goat is a little less frightening. The Yule Goat is mainly kind of judgmental, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, so, The Yule Goat is a Scandinavian uh, Scandinavian uh, folkloric thing. It mm-hmm. came from, uh, it's in Sweden, Norway, and Finland. It's as much a part of Christmas tradition as Santa or Frosty the Snowman is to people in the United States. Right. Um, variously known by, as the Yulebok, the Yulebuk, or the Ulkipuki. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, run that by me. Oh, one more time. <laughs> it's called the Yulebok, the Yulebuk, or the Ulkipuki. The, that's a, uh, the, the last one again? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me say that again. It's in, that's the Finnish name. Don't make me say it. Okay. Ulkipuki. Um... <laughs> I feel like I have to say it like that. Oh, but man. I most love of these it. towns will put up like a giant straw goat with like red ribbon on it. It's very fun. It looks like a goat wicker man. Um, yes, thank God. It's pretty wild. Um, people ha- burn them down a lot, too. It's not, they're not supposed to be burnt usually, as far as I know. It's like unknown mm-hmm. people keep burning them down, which is terrible. Um, but. Essentially, there's a cup, sort of the origin of the Yule Goat. In Sweden, as part of an ancient midwinter celebration called the Yule Offer, or Yule Sacrifice, a man dressed in goat skins and carrying a goat head effigy portrayed one of Thor's goats. He was symbolically killed but returned to life exact, exactly as the sun does on the at the Yule. Early Christian people were pissed, and they said that this was demonic, and uh, were really mad about it. And I'm going to have to do some reading into this, but reading that is really interesting to me because it reminds me of how when you see a lot of old-time renderings mm-hmm. of, like, Satan and satanic imagery goat heads come into play. Yeah. Um, but the Yule Goat became a benevolent being eventually, and people dressed as the Christmas Yule Buck traveled door-to-door, giving small gifts to the families they visited. Um... <laughs> But then they appear, uh, like, goats appear all over the place. Like, uh, there are these little, like, gnome-like goat-riding Christmas elves called Tomten in Sweden. And they mm-hmm. deliver gifts to sleeping children like Santa does. But they are little gnomes on goats. <laughs> Which is cute. Um, but the Yule Goat po- crop, uh, crops up all over the place. There's actually a uh, brewery in Vemmerby, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Abro Brewery Brewery produces a Yulebok Christmas beer. That's fun. That's pretty rad. Um, but yeah, it's the Yule Goat who traditionally would keep an eye on you to make sure you were doing your Yule traditions right. There's no mention of what would happen if you didn't do them right in this article, which comes from Story.com, uh, and it's the Yule Goat by Sue Yeah, you wouldn't dare. I'm assuming that they just, like, talk shit about you. Like, that's what I'm assuming happens. <laughs> they go around to all the other Yule critters, and they're like, um, excuse me, did you hear what Sigurd is doing over there? <laughs> did you see Olga's Yule decoration? So tacky. <laughs> um, and unless I'm mistaken, those are the same wall hangings as last year over in the Janssen household. 
old. Mm, I don't know how to feel about that. It seems like maybe they aren't honoring Yuletide the way that they should. I just mm. feel like we have certain traditions, and those traditions need to be respected. <laughs> lest we anger the ancient powers at play in our system. <laughs> the Yule goat's petty. I like them. I love it. But yeah, those are some Yule animals. The ghoul cat is not Christmas-related at all. I just thought it was fun, and I wanted to talk about it. What if but, What if it's actually the exact same critter, and every year it just changes its Twitter handle to Yule Cat because it rhymes with Ghoul Cat? Or is Ghoul Cat just the Halloween handle? It uses oh my gosh, Halloween maybe. Time? What if it's just Cool Cat the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what if it is? What if it's Cool Cat and we're just, these are just its holiday Twitter these handles. These are just its seasonal handles. We've cracked this wide open. <laughs> But yeah, I do I do love the magical powers and the human stomping is a lot, but I respect it. My its power is great physical strength. But what about its great emotional strength? <laughs> can the Yule Cat uh, get through tough times and keep its head held high? I think it can. Or will it find a little kitten from back home oh. that melts its ice cold heart? <laughs> We were talking about emotional strength, and I kind of felt like the Yule Cat needed something a bit more hallmarky. So I understand. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it slide. I'm gonna let it be what it is. Okay, but fair. I love the Yule Cat. I would actually really love to see the Yule Cat uh, dressed as like um, the ghost of Christmas past from Christmas Carol. Oh, that's good. That's what I would really like to see. Just like really done up in like a like a like a wreath on its head mm-hmm. and like robes i think i think it should just really look glamorous i totally agree <laughs> if it's gonna be if it's gonna be eating the rich's food slash potentially eating the rich in our new in our reboot of the mm-hmm. yule cat sorry hundreds of years of icelandic yuletide tradition <laughs> um then i really think that uh it should be dressed in the nines uh give me one second i have an image to to send you Oh. Which is nothing at all, except for this is relevant to me, and I hope to your interests as well. I think that it is. I like to think that I understand us well enough to know that it is. Is it cat-related? Because probably. Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely is. It's specifically what I've been picturing since we started talking about um, the cat specifically, like, eating the rich. Uh Uh-huh. Then I I got a very specific mental image, which is this. Give me. Oh, my. <laughs> That's from, is that from Great Mouse Detective? It's the cat from the Great Mouse Detective, yeah. I knew Felicia. it was. Okay, so if you were wondering, Alex just sent me a picture of the cat from the Great Mouse the Great Mouse Detective. She's a beautiful fat cat with a little bow, uh, and mm-hmm. that's what's up. She's very powerful. Also, also, if you ever get anything from me and you have to ask yourself the question, is this from the Great Mouse Detective? The answer is probably yes. Yeah, honestly. Here's the thing. I, like most of the internet, was delighted by the giant cow that made its appearance on Twitter recently. Oh, yeah. And I really think that if we're really into giant animals right now, we should just keep this going. Keep this motion going. I want to keep this momentum. And as we roll into the holiday season, I think we trade in the big cow. Not like forever. The big cow still matters. I still love it. Um, and we uh, embrace another giant animal for the Christmas time. <laughs> a huge friend for every season. A huge friend for every season. And this is our wintertime friend. And it is a very big cat who is not here to punish poor people anymore. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Although, if you know how to knit or crochet maybe like make some socks for your friends just in case that's all i'm gonna say oh that's nice i like that yeah 
my mom used to knit a lot and that was all I could think of the whole time. She used to just like knit hats for people. Um, I had a, this is a tangent, we're almost at the end of the thing, but speaking of uh, holiday generosity, I had a friend help me uh, when I was in undergrad, when I, I had my flight uh, um, home for Thanksgiving get canceled, essentially, mm-hmm. or rather my initial flight got delayed so much that my connecting flight had already left. And I was like, well, if I get on my plane now, I get to go to Atlanta and be stuck there, or I have to figure out something else. And a, a friend of mine helped me get in touch with, get talk to the woman at the Delta desk and get me onto a flight that would still get me into DC, but would connect through Minnesota. Cause that was the flight he was going to be on. Cause he was going to his home, which was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So he helped me like run through the airport in Minneapolis to get to my connecting flight. And so my mom said, tell him I'm going to knit him a hat. And she did. Oh, that's nice. the other story. She knitted him a little green hat. Gina's out here doing the old cat's work. She is. She made sure that my old uh, friend slash roommate, uh, Connor, did not get eaten by the old cat. Which, like, really is a beautiful gesture. I think so. And that's the thing. Like I said, the revamp is in the works. We are working on this reboot, this origin story, all of it. But for now... Like, if you love somebody and you want to take care of them and make sure that they don't either get their dinner eaten by the Yule Cat or get eaten by the Yule Cat, Mm -hmm. just, like, give them a hat. Give them a hat. Or some socks. Like, I know people historically are, like, socks is, like, a thing you don't want to get for Christmas when you're a kid who wants, like, for example, the Barbie airplane that when you press the little, like, buttons talks and stuff, the little, like, Barbie airplane, I wanted it. Or, like, maybe, for example, the little robot dog that was really popular in the early 2000s that had the ears that moved up and down a little bit when you said its name. Oh my god, I had one of those! (sighs) I didn't. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) If it helps, it didn't work. (laughs) Like, it didn't work. I understand. I cried and cried and cried because I was a child and I didn't understand. Um, I eventually got a real dog, so that was nice. Yeah, that's good. See, that's that's what it is. That's better. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, I know that we talk about, like, when you're a kid, you, like, a lot of the time, if you want something specific like that, you're like, oh, socks. But let me say right now, socks are a good present. Keep your feetsies warm. Keep your children safe. That's right. Do what you gotta do to stay safe this holiday season while we work on radicalizing the Yule Cat. That's all I have to say about A that. noble mission. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is my cause. Um, so uh, that's the Yule Cat, and I hope you enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed this big soft friend. Can you imagine really quickly, just really quickly, just like... I'm already thinking about it, just burying my face on the yes. side of that majestic creature. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love big cats. Do you know what I love? Also, it could be, if you don't want to do a Norwegian forest cat, I could also substitute a Maine Coon, because God, I love a Maine Coon. Oh, absolutely. I love a Maine Coon. They're just so so big. (laughs) I love, I love big cats. Like, I love big cats like wild cats, but I love big house cats so much. They're just... I understand. Oh I know. I know. It's like, Let look it at out. you. You're so big. <laughs> uh, especially if they don't know that they're so big and they want to sit on your lap. Like, it's not like oh, they slowly know. crushing you. Oh, oh, they know. <laughs> they know they're so big. Oh... Okay, also, if you're listening to this and you have a very big cat and you want to send me pictures of your very big cat, please do that. You can... We welcome this gesture, yes. You can tweet them to the Cryptid Keeper Twitter at Crypt Keep Pod, or you can just tweet them to me at Addison underscore Peacock, and I would really like to see them. 
which is a really great way to segue into our socials. Yeah. You can also post them in our Facebook group, which is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group, or you can send them to our email, which is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com, which is, you know, incidentally and less importantly than the cats, a great place to send feedback on the show, as well as any listener stories that you might have for future episodes. Heck yeah, it is. And that is the best way to reach out to us. Uh, like she said, you can follow, you can find us on Twitter. You can also follow our official Facebook page, which is just The Cryptid Keeper. Or you are welcome, if you have the means and the inclination, to support us on Patreon. That is also under The Cryptid Keeper. Uh, that is where you can find our actual play uh, campaign of Monster of the Week, A Horror Borealis. The whole backlog is on there. We have a patron-exclusive Discord server, some bonus episodes, um, etc., etc., and that's a lot of fun. And I'd like to uh, thank our composer, our resonant composer, Andrew Giada, <laughs> for the use of our theme music. And I'd like to thank audio wizard Val Patron for our episode editing. And is there anything Just, else? I think that's it. So, as always, we hope we can keep you around, stay warm, and stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>